This is a Cross of Grace Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. On May 10th, 2020, we gathered online to worship on the fifth Sunday of the season of Easter. Pastor Aaron Stamper preached from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Jesus says this to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit who unites us in faith. Little disclaimer here I don't have enough training in the science of psychology to even consider myself an armchair psychologist. But I have a hunch that a person sees his or her world through the lens of one or maybe two formative relationships that he or she has experienced in their lifetime. And most likely, this formative relationship is with one or both parents. Generally speaking, the way in which your parent has interacted with you as you were growing up has informed your sense of self and your place in the world. It's informed what to expect of relationships in general, and it's informed how you relate to other people. Now, a good psychologist or counselor will help you revisit these memories, these formative relational experiences, in order to help you understand whether what those experiences taught you are actually true or not, or helpful or not. Now, as a side, I'm not familiar with any qualitative data on the subject, but I would offer my second hunch, that parents in general are trying to do the best they can. 
if you were out shopping for a Mother's Day card, you probably didn't find one with the sentiment, Dear Mom, you do the best you can. But I still think that'd be a good card to send. It's good news. Fact is, we only know what we know. And we know what we know only through the way that our parents taught us to know things. And even if most parents generally do the best they can, they're limited by the ways that they were raised to understand the world. The way I understand myself and the world is directly tied to the way my mom and dad understood themselves and the world, and of course, how they interacted with me. So our image of God, like everything else, is filtered through the lens of the one or two formative human relationships in our life. It's typical for children to think of God as very similar to their parents. Bigger and more powerful versions, to be sure, but still very much in line with the thoughts and behaviors that the parent exhibits. So a child who grows up feeling safe and cared for by a parent will default to an understanding of God as one who is safe and caring. By the same token, a child who grows up being abused by a parent will default to an understanding of God as abusive. And it takes considerable effort for people to adapt their understanding of God, especially if it goes against everything that they've been taught by those early formative relationships. A child who grows up feeling safe and cared for by a parent finds it difficult to imagine God could ever be abusive. And by the same token, a child who grows up being abused by a parent finds it difficult to imagine that God could ever be authentically loving and caring. We're at a bit of a disadvantage when contemplating matters of the divine because we only know what has been allowed to pass through the lens through which we view and understand the world. Today's gospel scripture is a beautiful example of Jesus compassionately correcting some of his disciples' misconceived notions about the divine. Jesus invites the disciples to use his life and ministry as the lens through which to view and understand the world, to view and understand God also. And this text is saturated with patience, reassurance, promise, and hope. Jesus is addressing some deep-seated insecurities and mistaken assumptions about God and life in general that his disciples have adopted in their lifetime, inherited. But here, just shortly before his arrest and subsequent execution, Jesus urges the disciples to be filled with peace. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus urges the disciples to be filled with faith. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus urges the disciples to be filled with assurance. He says, if you know me, you will know my father also. And Jesus urges the disciples to be filled with divine power. He says, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, do greater works. So take comfort, my friends, in knowing that the heads and hearts of Jesus' disciples were still filled with 
fallacies about God, even after spending years in Jesus' presence. Also take comfort that Jesus' promises of peace, faith, assurance, and divine power were communicated in a time of uncertainty, turmoil, and disappointment. The context of this chapter in John is that it comes on the heels of Jesus' prediction about Peter's denial and Judas' betrayal. Neither of these compromise the truth of Jesus' great instruction to his disciples. When he says, do not be troubled. Believe in God. You know what to do and you will be able to do it. Jesus' earthly life shows the world what God is like in flesh and blood, so that we can have a more accurate understanding of who God is as well as who we are. God, as it turns out, is Christ-like. Everything that Christ did during his earthly life was what God would have done, what God did do. God does not have a shadow side, ulterior motives, or a secret hidden identity. God was fully revealed, fully exposed in the person of Jesus. God, as it turns out, is a skilled craftsman and a storm calmer. God, it turns out, is a healer and a miracle worker. God, it turns out, has no regard for our barriers of race, ethnicity, class, religion, or gender. God, it turns out, pays all his laborers equally. God, it turns out, has a taste for good wine and likes being invited to dinner. God, as it turns out, is willing to die to expose humanity's fear and lust for power. God, as it turns out, has high expectations for those who would claim to follow, but also has incredible patience and unlimited forgiveness. God, as it turns out, needed Jesus to show people just how short they had sold themselves and how short they had sold God. Each one of us has been raised to see the world through a particular lens. Unfortunately, this lens often keeps us from fully realizing who we are and who God is. Now, there's no reset button to push. There's no magic wand to wave for us to break free from these limited understandings. One cannot be enlightened in an instant. But there is work that you can do to allow God's identity and relationship to be the primary way through which you view and understand the world and yourself. You can read the stories of scripture to become more aware of who God is as well as who God isn't. You can talk to God as matter-of-factly as how you talked when you picked up the phone to talk to that old friend this week. You can seek out a psychiatrist or a counselor to help you understand how and why you have come to understand the world the way that you do, and perhaps to see what you have come to believe about yourself that simply is not true or helpful. And you can meditate on Jesus' last words to his disciples in what was also a chaotic 
an uncertain time. He says, do not be troubled. Believe in God. You know what to do, and you will be able to do it. Amen.